This is the 15th time that I've been a part of this service at West Ark. And that, yeah, and that means uh, even longer if you count the other churches I was at. But that means that I have been a part of this service for longer than the incoming seventh graders have been alive. And, uh, and, and this congregation has been involved in this service for more than those 15 years. Um, it's, it's part of our mission where we talk about making disciples and we focus that on campus and kids and healing and hope. And when the elders come up here uh, later during the service and they read to you what their charge is to the graduating seniors and what their dream is for all of the young people who will be coming through this process, you'll see that the heart behind that, that vision for young people being disciples. Uh, Rick's been doing this service. Yeah, i got to talk about Rick a little bit. There's some other things I want to say about you, Rick. I didn't ask your permission because you'd probably say no, but i got to tell you all some good things about Rick. He doesn't want this to be all about him. And, uh, and, and, and that's, what I, that's one of the things I appreciate about him. But he's been doing this type of service probably for more than 15 years, and I'll let him fill you in on that. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you about Rick is he's older than I am. And uh, <laughs> he reminds me of that. But um, I'm catching up one year at a time. I keep getting there, but he keeps moving forward. And um, so... During those 15 years, uh, Rick picked up in there somewhere, but before that, Brad did it. And then there was this one gap year where Shane Hughes, our previous campus minister, or previous, previous campus minister, and, uh, uh, and I had to do our best at this service. And I'm thinking of that because when Hal Runkle was here in April... He said to all the young people, welcome to adulthood. And and he said, probably no one's ever told you that. And I thought, aha! Shane did on the graduating Sunday when we did it, but his words were, poof, you're an adult. (laughs) I like his version of that. Because it's, it, you, you wait for that magic moment. When is it? Is it your 18th birthday? Is it your 21st birthday? We send you a lot of confusing messages, young people. Uh, you know, 21, you're legal for some stuff, things you probably shouldn't be doing anyway. Uh, but 18, you're old enough to vote and go to war. All right. So exactly when is it, you know? But then even then, you don't get a discount on your driver's license or on your insurance, driver's insurance until you're 25. So we don't even think you're adult enough at 21. How does it work? So we decided that this is a good moment to say, poof, you're an adult. And why not? And I like the way Hal said it when he said, welcome to adulthood. When Rick heard Hal at uh, the, uh, the, the, the National Conference for Youth Ministry, and he said, that guy, that guy really needs to come here. And after hearing Hal myself and, and knowing something about Rick's ministry, I think that the reason why that resonated and why we are all 
thankful that Hal got here is because we don't see youth ministry anywhere between 7th grade and 12th grade or even children's ministry. We don't see that as the final stop in your discipleship. And one of the things that um, I appreciate how Rick does this, and he promised us this when we brought him in here and he does this, is um, we're not even anxious about organizing a youth ministry that just keeps all the young people satisfied and engaged. It's not just about your enrichment. And that may seem harsh, <clears throat> um, but I think you respect that too. And anybody who's gone through this program, and now you truly are, poof, you're an adult, you, you feel this too. Um, because you don't get to stay a child forever. And we do become adults. And so I want to say to our graduating seniors, welcome to adulthood. And we are so thankful to have you join our ranks because we need you. <laughs> and we welcome you. And so this isn't a bad thing. This isn't a time to mourn. This isn't a time to, to grieve. All of that stuff you've been doing as a part of the youth group, all the stuff that you've been doing as a part of this congregation, that hasn't been the high watermark where we say, oh yeah, you've arrived. Rick takes you on all those trips and he does all those mission trips because we want you to take something from it and do something with that between you and God and wherever he plants you to serve. We want you to take that and join us in the adulthood mission in the mission of the kingdom, and, and we want to fully invest in you the calling to join us as disciples of the king. And you can do that. This sermon series that we've been preaching about the end game, the end game of childhood and adolescence is adulthood. Everything that you're doing then, if all it is is to, is to just sort of soak and marinate in the years and the wonder of childhood, then, then what? Then what? You're going to become immature 30-year-olds, immature 50-year-olds. Some of us pine away for our... I'm going to tell you, don't, don't be like the sad adults who pine away for all the easier life when I was young. I always thought that's the way you were supposed to feel. Down in Texas, I, I talked to a man, uh, I was teaching a class, thought I knew a lot, you know, I'm a really young preacher, young teacher, and I said, now, uh, you know, I want to say to our uh, combined class, and we had this wonderful little combined class of older people and younger people, and, and we had one very wise man, he was in his 80s, and I said, now, I think young people that the older ones will tell you that life's always tough and it's always hard and, and, and that, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't get any easier, it's a struggle every day. And this one old fellow in his 80s said, that's not true. I thought, oh, wait, you're messing with my script, man. Keep that to yourself. He said, no, that's not true. And I said, okay, you're going to have to lay this on me. And he goes, look, he goes, it was harder when I was young. It was harder when I was young because I didn't have experience. He said, I hope by now I've, gone, I've grown closer to my creator. I've grown closer to my Lord. And I want to be more with him and more like him. And I thought, you know what? He's living the life. He's actually enjoying this ride. And there he is, and he was in his 80s, and he could be complaining about all of his aches and pains. But instead, 
He's looking back at all those years he has spent as a disciple. And he's basking in that. He says, that's good. That's been the good life. He, he was focusing on how good God had been to him. So, we live between the resurrection and the return of Jesus. And whether you're an incoming seventh grader or a graduating senior or somewhere in between, or whether you're uh, something over all that and, uh, you know, thinking about your life, uh, whether it is counted in years, decades, whatever, if you are on your way to reach three digits uh, in your age, so be it. But in all of that, all of us need to have an end game that aims us towards eternity. And that's been the focus of this sermon series. That's what it's all about. You see, I think sometimes we live so much in the past or we look back at the history that we don't think about the future that God has in store. One great thing about being an incoming seventh grader and especially a senior is that you are so focused on the future. This may be, the, this may be one of the few times when everybody talks about your future and it's glowing and it's positive and you're going to grow up in the age of flying cars and on and on it goes and you know, by the time you're 30, people will be living on Mars, and you know, which is a great thing if you can pick who goes there. Uh, so, whatever. But each of us at every age need to know that there's much more future ahead of us than there are years behind us. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to read to you from Titus chapter 3 and make three points. Paul's writing to his, uh, his student in the faith, Titus. And um, in chapter 3, verse 4, he says, When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. The first point here, this, what, what precedes all of this, is God's kindness and love, His mercy. And all of the anxiety and the worry that we've placed on this. We often do this in youth ministry. I believe that youth ministry and children's ministry, these are definitely teaching ministries. But we want to teach about the grace, the mercy, and the kindness of God. Because life has a way, under our control, when we're at the wheel, life has a way of going off the rails. It's going to happen. And so that's why we need to be, if we're, if we're going to be marinated in anything, let's be marinated in the kindness, the love, and the mercy of God. It's not just a fuzzy kind of a love that says, oh, everything's going to be all right and God's always going to love you. It's a powerful love. 
It's a strong love. And not only does it assure us when we're worried, but it also corrects us when we need to be corrected. And it guides us, and it steers us, and it draws us and compels us when we need to have a bigger vision and a better vision than our own. So that's how he starts. He, he says we, we need to remind people of that. He gave us new birth. He gave us new life. He poured out His Spirit. Verse 7, because of His grace, He made us right in His sight, and He gave us the confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So today on this day, as we think about, ah, oh, the young ones, poof, they're adults. Welcome to adulthood. Why? They've just scratched the surface. It's just starting. Those of you who remember your graduation so many years ago, those of you whose graduation is so long ago, you can't even remember it anymore. You're just getting started. Because eternal life is right around the corner. We've got a big adventure ahead of us, church. And we need to have the confidence that He gives that to us. We want to be evangelistic. We want to reach out. We want to share the gospel. One of the things that I love about this congregation right now in this time is that our shepherds and our members are are so fired up about sharing the gospel and making disciples. We've got an entire class that's devoted to this. John Priester, Ted Knight are teaching this class. Those people are dedicated to how can we be disciple makers Uh, We've got a class tonight to show you a way to teach Bible uh, so that you can share the gospel with others. That's fantastic. But I'll tell you, we're never going to get that off the ground if we don't have a confidence in God that He gives us eternal life. Because if our hope in His grace is sort of a maybe or I hope so, you, you can't share good news if your witness is, I hope so. I've told you all the sto- some of you the story before of my shining moment as a new Christian after I'd been baptized. And there was some street preacher at this uh, uh, band competition. They still let these guys in, Brent? I don't know. It was, at, you know, it was up, in the, up in the hills. It's almost on the Missouri border, so there's no telling what's going on up there. And uh, you know, we're all out there marching, and of course, for me, it's like a day out of school. And, you know, and so we get to go up there. We're all marching, doing all the stuff that our little 1A school had figured out. And then it's over, and we're done. And this guy's out there holding court. He's preaching the gospel in hellfire and brimstone. And he's looking into the audience, and he's going, Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? And he looked right at me. I'd only been baptized maybe a month. And he said, are you saved? And I said, I hope so. (laughs) You can't get to heaven with I hope so. I was like, oh, man, I failed. If I get to go back to that moment, I'm just going to look at the guy and say, I have been saved by Jesus Christ. I didn't do anything. He saved me. And I said, I accept that. Now see, that's confidence. Because my confidence is not placed in me, it's placed in him. So the first thing we need to hold on to is that confidence that, that Paul... Ta- and you know, if you're saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know we should be that, that, that confident, you know, because, I mean, we might get uh, full of ourselves. I'm not full of myself. I'm full of God and his grace. That's what I want to be full of. 
And, uh, you know, and by the way, if you have a fuss with this, uh, take it up with uh, the Bible, because I didn't write it. I just read it to you. Number two, verse eight, he says, insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. We've been teaching you all of this in the youth group. We've been teaching you this in the children's ministry. We do this in the adult classes and in the college ministry because we want to devote ourselves to doing good. Not to earn our salvation, but because God has given us this eternal life. And it means something. It means something. It means that our life has more purpose than we sometimes even realize. We can devote ourselves to doing good. That's why we teach these things. And then if you're thinking at this point, well, you know, this is a good message for the young people, good message for the young people. I don't guess I'm going to get anything out of this today. Mm -hmm. Look at the end of verse 8. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Earlier on in his letter, he was telling Titus, Titus, you need to do some things to get the older, younger people kind of mixing it up. They need, to, they need to associate with one another. We need to get them together so that the older men will teach the younger men. The older women will teach the, the, the younger women. We need to do that, and they're going to learn the way of Jesus. That's how discipling takes place. I think, you know, Rick's been telling you this for a long time. You know, you see one of those mission trips, you say, can I, you know, people are always going to think, can I go on a mission trip even though I don't have kids in the youth group? The answer is, what is it, Rick? Yes. We invite you. Come and help. Come and be a part of it. Just come and see. I mean, there are ways to get involved. Now, let me re- reverse that one around. Sometimes we want uh, the young people to do things a certain way. We want it to do our way. Well, let's invite them into our lives. Not invite them into our agenda, but invite them into our lives. And it's not just young people youth group. I mean, we've got the same thing with college, but you know, those of us in our 50s need to learn stuff from those of you who are in your 60s. Those of us who are in the 60s need to learn stuff from those who are in the 80s. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to share. Because every stage of life has its new questions. But what we need to keep in mind is is that all of those ages kind of fall away into meaninglessness when you realize that we all, each of us, live between the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his return. And that means that the ones who've gone before us and are no longer here, that return is going to even everything out. Because all of that comes back together then. Not only are we saying welcome to adulthood to our young people today, but each and every one of us is called to be mature in Christ. Maturity in Christ begins in baptism, that new birth that Paul is talking about. It begins with that new birth, that new life, and then the good that we're practicing, the good that we're learning, the good that we're teaching is the growth and the maturity in Jesus Christ, which will never really fully ripen until his return. At this time, we're going to invite anyone who needs a word of prayer and encouragement, who needs to make some decision to follow Christ, 
Uh, elders are going to be back there in the back. They'll show you the way to the room where you can meet with them privately. Some of them will be up here if you just want to talk to them. The one thing I don't want you to think of this as is if you're thinking, oh, is this the part in the service where the sinners go forward and confess all their sins? Well, no, not exactly, but uh, you know, if that's what you need to do, then that's okay. But I'm just saying it's a moment where you're hearing the Word of God, you're hearing the Gospel. If there's some response you need to make, our shepherds want to share that with you. Or you can share it with others. But let's stand, let's encourage one another in song, okay?